This is the best, most fun I have ever, ever, ever had on a podcast. This is a hit. I'm Jesse Cole, your host of Business Done Differently, where we get to meet successful people who look at business differently, and we get to know them in a different way. So you really do need to dig the well before you're thirsty. The problem is a lot of us business owners, we think either we're never going to be thirsty or that we can do this when we need it. If you don't bring your A game, you're hurting everybody around you. Today's guest is the one and only Jordan Harbinger. In Jordan's early years, he started as a lawyer and even became an FBI informant. He lived abroad in several countries in Western and Central Europe and even learned to speak five languages. But then he jumped into podcasting. For over a decade, Jordan's hosted a top 50 podcast in the world with millions of downloads. Now he's launched the Jordan Harbinger Show, interviewing the most successful people in the world. It's one of my must-listen podcasts as Jordan and his guests challenge us on how we look at business and how we live our life. Jordan, you're making a huge impact, my friend, and I am pumped to have you on the show. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate the opportunity, of course. Well, we're going to have some fun today, and I think the only place that we could start would be in your shower, Jordan, because you do epic shower thoughts. So I want to I want to go into this a little bit for the listeners that haven't watched you on you know Twitter and LinkedIn. Here are some of the great thoughts from Jordan from the shower. Clapping is just hitting yourself because you like something. Hashtag shower thoughts. This is great because my wife is nine months pregnant. Pregnant women are bodybuilding 24-7. Hashtag shower thoughts. She laughed hysterically at that one. And finally, this last one, which is very relevant. It would be useful if Amazon showed how many times an item has been bought and how many times it has been returned. Hashtag shower thoughts. I couldn't agree with you more. Jordan, what's going on in the shower today? Any new thoughts? Yeah, let me see. I mean, a lot of the shower thoughts that I have are things I've overheard. There's also some stuff that I get from other funnier, more creative people for sure. But some of them do happen in the shower, although I will say it's it's a little bit more rare that they happen in the shower. Usually they're happening on walks, but walk thoughts doesn't really <laughs> doesn't work. have the same ring to it. Yeah, the, the thing that occurred to me recently, it being summer, was that the best part of a cucumber really tastes like the worst part of a watermelon. <laughs> Perfect. And... Yeah, and bacon bits are pig sprinkles. So think about that next time you do that. Yes, and our biggest, our biggest rival is the Macon Bacon. There's a team called the Macon Bacon, the rival of the Savannah Bananas, and we're doing literally stop stop the Macon Bacon, save the pigs. So thank you for throwing that out there. Uh, You're welcome. We're not going to go into this. We're going to get into the good stuff, but the, the science actually shows that in, on, under, or around water brings out more creativity. So food for thought there. So maybe there is some science to the shower thoughts that do come out once in a while, Jordan. So thank you for kicking us off with some brilliant shower thoughts. But I want to get into starting over, Jordan. I'm fascinated, a segment called Start Me Up. You know, were you always a self-starter because you launched such a successful show, doing it again now? You know, take me back to Jordan, a kid in high school, in college. You know, you went from attorney to art of charm. How were you? Yeah, actually, I was not a self-starter. I mean, looking back, maybe a little bit, but in the wrong areas. Mm. So I didn't do that well in a lot of my school classes. You know, sometimes I misbehaved, but I was I was a good student in elementary school, terrible student in middle school. And then I really was a good student in high school, but for different reasons. And then when I got to college, that's when I sort of first actually even in high school was when I first got a taste of kind of hacking the system. And I was like, oh, 
I'm not really supposed to go through all of the same path as everyone else. But <laughs> I thought I was being a rebel, but really I wasn't being rebellious on purpose. I just really hated the way that the system worked. And I found in my what was, in my opinion, better ways to deal with those situations. And an example of this is when I went to college, University of Michigan, there were a lot of different classes I was interested in, but I didn't really want to major in a language. Mm-hmm. I wanted to learn multiple languages to in a functional way. There wasn't really an option for that. You could study German and then you're reading freaking Faust and writing dissertations and stuff on that. And I'm like, that's useless. I want to learn business German, business Spanish, Russian, Serbian, stuff like that. So that would be more useful. I wanted practical skills. Well, you can't do that. You have to pick a major. And I thought, well, I don't want to major in a language. No one's going to hire me for that. I want to do something that has to do with business. And then it's like, okay, great. Here's a bunch of math classes you got to take. You got to go through accounting. It's going to be really hard. They make these accounting classes really hard so that people fail out so they don't try to go to business school if they're not going to put the work in. And I'm like, why do I have to go through that rigmarole when I'm just trying to be useful? And so what I did is I went to my guidance counselor and he goes, look, man, you need to pick a major like yesterday. And I said, okay, here's the problem. I don't like math. I don't want to do this. I want to take practical skills. I got to do this, 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 and this. But what I'm worried about is I'm not going to get hired unless I have an impressive sounding major. So I'm torn between these. And he goes, study what you want to study. It's not going to necessarily make you less competitive for jobs. And I said, is there any possible way that I can blend languages, political science and economics, and then do that as a major? And he goes, well, only two people do this every year, one or two, but you can make your own concentration, which is you create your own degree. Oh, and you, this is awesome. you need to have approval from the academic standards board. It's a huge pain, but I can help you. And I went, okay, what do I need to do? So what you need to do is pick every single class you're going to take for the entire time that you're in college. And then you have to write a justification about why that class is necessary for what you're going to do. And you can change your mind if the class turns out to not fit the puzzle that you're trying to build. Do you see where I'm going with this? This is amazing, right? Because what happens is I go, great. I need to take business German, business Spanish, this fancy economics class. And then I get to that economics class and I go, holy crap, there's a ton of math in this. So I go back to the counselor and I go, yeah, there's a ton of math in this. I don't really want to learn that. I want to learn about this other type of economics that doesn't involve doing the math, but is more theoretical. And they go, great, write up a justification about why this class doesn't fit and this other one does. So I made integrated international commerce, which is that I'm the only person with that degree from the University of Michigan. And I now have all of these languages, political science and economics mixed into a degree. And of course, what happens when I apply for something right next to somebody who went through accounting as a major or business as a major is they go, oh, you majored in business. Cool. Wow, Jordan, you made your own concentration. Tell me all about that. So who do you think wins in that scenario? The guy who invented his own major or the other business major that has the same grades? Jordan, I'm laughing for so many reasons right now. When I went to Wofford College, I went to play baseball. And after three years, they said, you need to pick a major. So I went into business econ and they told me I had to take two forms of calculus, macroeconomics, microeconomics. And I said, I'm not doing this. So I went to my advisor and I said, I don't want to do what this is. This doesn't make sense. I don't want to study math. And they said, well, no one's ever done it, but you could create your own major. 
And I created my own leadership major. And I studied all these different classes, leadership and government history. I was the only leadership major ever at Wofford because I couldn't handle the way they were. everyone else was doing it. And, and how cool is that, right? Because that people always think, oh, you got to stick with the chosen path. Like, oh, you should have gone to business school. You're not going to be as competitive. People want to know what to expect. Yeah. No, they sometimes want to know what to expect if it looks bad, right? Okay, all these business people, they went to the same school. They got the same grades. Let's pick the one we like the most. But then there's this person who has this interesting thing that they created that, that people want to hear about. It gives you a chance to be personable in the interview. And they go, well, this person made their own concentration. The assumption when you make your own degree, the assumption isn't, wow, you must have been way too dumb to go to business school. The <laughs> assumption is, wow, nothing fit this guy. So instead of giving up or cramming himself through the, you know, the square peg through the round hole, he forged his own path. Mm. Which one says leader? The guy who plummeted through the spreadsheet class and just got it done or the person who's like, yeah, this isn't working for me. Let me just make an entire major up myself. Mm. Well, you found a solution. And I think that's the problem. Like, you know, you find a problem and you make the solution. I realized there was a problem with baseball and that it was too long, too slow and too boring. And I tried to create it to make more fun. You said this doesn't make sense. And again, that would be a whole other conversation with fixing the education system. But I love that. And I think more entrepreneurs and business owners need to look at that. Hey, I'm not going to go the path everyone else is going. It may be more work, but I'm going to do what they want to do. And I bet when you were taking your courses, Jordan, you actually enjoyed it because it was your decision to study it. It wasn't someone telling you what you had to do. Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. Anytime I didn't like a class, if I really and it wasn't just like, oh, this is kind of boring. Let me go through the entire process of petitioning the academic standards board yet again (laughs) to switch it. I had to really dislike it. But what everybody else was doing was going, this year is going to be hell because I have to take accounting 232 and, you know, calculus four, and I'm just going to get it. And they have no life for that year. And the whole point of those classes is just to try to make people quit. Yes. Why am I going to put myself through that when I'm not trying to get into business school? Mm. It doesn't make any sense. So I just found ways around these clusters where there's a lot of traffic Mm. and a lot of competition, right? So if you were... If you went, I'm going to start another major league baseball team for, and I'm going to HQ it in Savannah. I don't think MLB would have been like, great idea, buddy. Here's a franchise. Yeah, exactly. right. They would have they would have hammered you so hard and made it impossible, even if you had the other requirements in place because you're not politically connected or something like that. 100%. But instead you went, yeah, I'm just not going to go through with all that. I'm going to solve these other problems, create something different enough. And now when people are looking to see who's innovating in baseball, are they picking a random franchise or are they picking someone who created something new? Mm-hmm. So that ends up being super useful for people to realize, and especially business owners, because I think that we often go through our lives and we think like, oh, I have to do all of this different stuff. And whenever you run into a dichotomy where it's either or, so whenever I, whenever I have a mental model mm-hmm. that says, Either I've got to go to college or work for my dad's engineering firm. Start questioning that mental model because Mm. it's almost never really either or. Oh, I have to either stay in my career as an engineer or I have to go back to school and retrain as something else. Do you or is there another thing that you can do? And when you start questioning it, it starts to open up a little bit more, right? Maybe you don't have to retrain as something else. But if you don't like engineering, what are things that engineers can do? that are going to be useful that don't require a degree in something else. Oh, I can teach engineers how to communicate with customer service people so that their feedback is heard and implemented into the product. Okay, now you're speaking my language. But 
if we don't think about those things because we think either school or I'm sitting here drawing up plans for superconductors, you've got to question that mental model. If you're stuck in it, you're going to pick one of the two things. And if both of them are bad options, well, then congratulations, you're ending up with a bad option no matter what. 100%. You're going to be unhappy. And it's okay to question everything. You know, I, I think so many people feel like, oh, I can't question. I have to do this. But, you know, play a different game. Don't play the games. I mean, this show is business done differently. It's about playing a different game. And I love that you did that. And I want to go to our first ever segment, Jordan, uh, called Shake It Up. Okay, because obviously with what happened with Art of Charm and now you kind of starting over with the Jordan Harbinger show, you know, I'm very intrigued because I think sometimes when you have to shake it up, it can actually be the best thing for you and your business. So my question is you, based on what you've gone through, do you think it's best for entrepreneurs to constantly try to shake things up and challenge themselves? You know, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know if you need to constantly shake things up and challenge yourself. I think that could lead to a lot of unnecessary stress, punishment, et cetera, and overwhelm and burnout. But what I would, what I highly suggest people do is at least once a year, sit down with yourself and think about where you're going that year and whether or not that's something you want to do or, and what percentage of that is things that you feel like you just have to do. Mm. Because early this year before the split, it was like, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And it was just kind of like, all right, well, at least I have. And then insert rationalization for why I'm putting myself through that. But when this whole bandaid got ripped off and I found myself starting over with my, with the majority of my team intact, I went, Oh, so now I can reboot everything. And my, my coworkers and things like that, my colleagues who, who came with me to advanced human dynamics and to the Jordan Harbinger show were saying, well, wait, 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 wait. Before we say, let's rebuild the show doing this and let's rebuild this doing that and let's do this and this and this and make it all the same, let's ask ourselves what we want the business to even look like. So I flew out to them, hung out with them for a week, and we spent a lot of time just walking around and going, okay, do we want to do this? Mm. Does this get us excited? Cool. Let's figure out how to make that a part of the business. Okay, this isn't going to fit. All right, let's get rid of that but let's replace it with something else that does get us up in the morning. So it's really tempting when you hit a wave and you get knocked off your surfboard or something like that to go, oh, I just got to get back on and keep surfing that same wave. And it's like, no, maybe you need to go paddle out again and catch a different one. It sounds harder because it's maybe not what you're used to. It's maybe not what you've done in the past. And maybe you have to get outside your comfort zone a little bit. Maybe you have to take on roles in your business that you're not used to, but that's a chance And not to sound too cliche, but that's a chance to really reinvent yourself. And a lot of us are afraid to do that, especially for like, but I got to make money first. You, You end up going, I just need to rebuild my income. The problem with that is you can end up rebuilding the same type of business that you did not like before if you're not careful. 100%. And then you've got to steer the ship. Now you've built an oil tanker again, but it's heading in the wrong direction. You've got to steer it. It's really slow. Why not build the right kind of ship, aim it the right direction from the beginning? It'll Mm. take longer. But, but it won't take longer than being miserable for the rest of your life uh, 100%. doing something you don't like to do. Now, a few great pieces you said, you know, what, it's so simple, but what gets you excited? You know, how many times during a given day are people doing things that don't get them excited or they're fighting fires? And then the second point you talked about reinventing yourself. You look at some of the most successful musical artists out there, the Taylor Swifts, the Lady Gagas, all the, I mean, constantly reinventing themselves. And it's pushing themselves. And like I said, it's getting comfortable being uncomfortable. I I love that. And I want to look forward a little bit, Jordan, because, you know, in five years, based on the relationships you've gained, based on how you've grown your brand, your business, I mean, you could have one of the most successful media companies if you want, consulting companies, relationship, networking companies. 
But, you know, I think there could be a show how I built this, you know, the, fa- the other famous podcast going back. And I'd love to know, you know, how you built your brand and what you did. If you could give practical kind of steps on how you did it, I think it's just it's brilliant and fascinating. Yeah. So I spent 11 years. One, one of the biggest things that I found. Well, look, I'll switch to this lever. The biggest lever in my business and in my personal life entirely. I have found this out recently is my relationships or are my relationships is my, my network. Mm -hmm. And the reason I found this out was because when I found myself on the outside of the art of charm and starting the Jordan Harbinger show, I was just so lucky that the majority of the team was able to come with me. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I would have been in a little bit of trouble, I Mm -hmm. think. And also if you're going to do everything yourself, cool, rely on your talent, rely on your work ethic, rely on your skills. But if you're not planning on doing everything yourself, and I highly recommend that you don't because it's going to take forever, you need relationships. But here's the problem. A lot of entrepreneurs, we procrastinate. Oh, I got to get my website going. Oh, first I got to shoot a product. We don't dig the well before we're thirsty. And so once we find ourselves thirsty, we're like, oh, crap, Mm. I've got to put a spare tire in the trunk of my car, but I've already got a flat, right? So you really do need to dig the well before you're thirsty. The problem is a lot of us business owners, We think either we're never going to be thirsty or that we can do this when we need it. But the problem is it's too late. Mm. If you if you need it and to put it in sort of normal muggles terms, if you've got a job right and you get laid off and then you reach out to people, they're going to be like, hey, wait, new phone. Who this? Right. Mm. Like, who are you? Oh, right. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I'll keep my ear to the ground for you. Sorry to hear you got fired. That's a problem. But if you've got a bunch of contacts who you've been regularly speaking with over the course of the last few years, when you reach out to those people for advice and for help, they're going to respond and they're going to actually care. So if so you, I would say if you were to give like, if you were to give steps on how you could really create these amazing relationships, because I mean, you talk about it, it's, it's the networking, you've built a huge network of only your people, but also people from the outside. What would be some steps you said that you use to create these relationships? Yeah. So do this thought exercise. This is called layoff lifelines. And imagine you get laid off from your job today or your business implodes for some reason make a list of the 10 or so people that you would contact and solicit their advice on what to do next. Mm -hmm. So list of 10 people, if you got laid off, who would you call? So make that list, then reach out to them right now when you don't actually need anything. Mm -hmm. So this shakes off the rust and it's really easy to reach out to people when you don't need something because you're just like, hey, haven't spoken to you in a while. Hope this finds you well. What's the latest with you? No rush on the reply. I know you're busy. Looking forward to hearing from you. That's a lot easier than, hey, I, I know we haven't spoken in like three years, but I really need a job. Do you know anyone who's hiring? <laughs> That's why people go, how do I reach out to other people without it being awkward? Mm. The reason I can tell a lot from the questions people ask about networking. If you ask, how do you make it not awkward? There's a 90% chance the reason it's awkward is because you only reach out to people when you're trying to close business <laughs> or get something from them, yep. right? Because it's, it's not awkward for you to hit me up in three months and go, hey, Jordan, I was just thinking about the show we did uh, back in whatever month, you know, this in May. And I just, I, I don't know. I just want to see how you're doing, man. It's been a minute. What's going on? Shoot me a text when you get a chance. Okay, cool. But if you're going, hey, Jordan, I know we haven't spoken in two years. Can you sell my ebook about dog grooming to your email list? I'm like, who are you? No. Ugh. Well, it comes down to care. I mean, it's just simple, like caring for someone and not asking for something. So many people, when that's why people don't answer their phones anymore, because they're like, someone's asking for something. Well, yeah, not only are they asking for something, but the problem is 
a lot of times it's hidden the agenda, mm-hmm. you know, and we've all had this experience too. And this is why a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners say things like picking my brain is picking my pocket. You ever heard that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's true because what this, what this means, I don't mind if friends of mine pick my brain and I'm sure every entrepreneur is the same way. It's just that when people go, Jesse, hey man, I live near you. I would love to get coffee and get to know you. You're like, oh cool. You know, you're early in your career as an entrepreneur. And you're like, great. I love meeting people. You've done this once or twice in your life, mm-hmm. maybe three or four times, or if you're like me and you're a slow learner, like five or six or ten <laughs> times. And then you you just now you don't do it anymore because you've sat down with enough health shake, MLM, Herbalife, Scientology, <laughs> whatever it is, people that you're just like, I'm not doing these no quote unquote, no agenda meetings anymore. Mm. And it takes, it takes away, it takes away because of those few people, the people that mess it up, then the people that actually have a good heart, you you don't do those anymore. Right. And so it doesn't like a lot of people go, but I do have a good heart. How do I figure out how to reach out to people and get those meetings when everybody's been burned by other people that have done this. And the answer is dig the well before you're thirsty. It's really easy to get a meeting when it's your friend. Love that. Dig the well before you know? you're thirsty. I love that. All right, Jordan, we're going to go into our first game. Are you mentally prepared for this? Oh, I'm, I'm mentally prepared for this. Yes. <laughs> All right. It's truth and dare. Just do it. Which one would you like first? Dare. <laughs> All right. It's a game we play at the ballpark called Sing in the Blank. We usually bring two grown men on the field, put a microphone in front of them and play this love song in front of 4,000 fans. And they have to sing, finish those lyrics. So they finish the lyrics and sing into the other man's eyes. Now you're just singing for the listeners. So I'm going to play a song and then you have to finish those song lyrics. You ready? I'll try. Sure. Oh, you'll get it. We're going old school here. Rock your body. Not yet, not yet. Oh, okay, sorry. Your Back streets, back. All right. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that you know that song. That's your jam going back. I mean, I wouldn't say it's my jam. I would say that it was forced upon all of us because we had <laughs> FM radio. Nowadays, you don't have to suffer through that ish, right? I, I thought it was a good fitting song for this big comeback that you're making, Backstreet's Back. So we play it when our players get back to the ballpark their first day, have fun with that. So excellent. You passed the dare in flying colors. You sang before even the lyrics were done, which I was very impressive. Yeah, you could have just named that song and I would have just done it. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad, though, that that didn't happen because I feel like a lot of people would have been questioning their particular, they would be like, I think I'm going to turn this one off and skip to the next one. Well, remember, Jordan, we started in your shower to open up the show. So people don't know. True where story. All right. So give me, all right. So time for a truth. So you've built these relations. You've built the network. You've come back. What's still holding you back from success today? What's still holding me back from success today? I mean, right now is that since I'm trying to rebuild a business that I not not totally rebuild because I'm going in a different direction, of course, but I spent 10 years, 11 years doing one. And now I'm doing everything that I've learned over the last 11 years, along with my team to get back to where we can move forward. Mm-hmm. It's literally the amount of time in a day. And I know we're all blessed with 24 hours. So I'm trying to do things, but I've made the cardinal mistake of sacrificing a lot of my sleep for that. And it's mm-hmm. catching up to me. Mm-hmm. So you're just really just you're running. I mean, you are running to get back up there. And so maybe it's yeah, the time's holding you back, but also potentially your health. Yeah. And and that's actually been quite problematic. You know, I woke up today and I had like I think my sleep watch said I had like three and a half hours of sleep. That's completely ridiculous. And this isn't the first day in a row that I've had less than seven hours of sleep. And so I know that this afternoon 
I'm going to be a useless pile of mush. So what I notice a lot of business people do, including myself sometimes when I let, when I get ahead of myself, is that we trade the well-being of future Jordan mm-hmm. for the current productivity of Jordan of last night. And that's, you know, it's a bad decision. And yet sometimes you make it anyway. So I've been working harder on setting up my environment such that this doesn't continue to happen. The problem is if I finish everything that I need to do, and then I've got a bunch of stuff for my team because I don't want to bottleneck them. Mm -hmm. It's really tempting to rationalize my behavior by going, well, I don't want to bottleneck my team. Whereas if it were my own things that I needed to get done, I would have gone, I'm not doing this at two o'clock in the morning. hundred percent. This is crazy. Well, I had, I had Joey Coleman on the show. I know you had him as well. And he had his book launch and he goes, you know, I'm not sleeping at all. I'm just constantly working, working, working. And I was like, that's the best advice that when I, my book came out a few months ago and I had the same thing. If you don't bring your A game, you're hurting everybody around you. And so, you know, Joey's like, thanks for the advice, but it's like, it's amazing how much important sleep is. And many entrepreneurs, business owners, they don't think about it. They think hustle, hustle, hustle. So I don't want to go into that, but it's just, uh, uh, hopefully you'll catch up soon. That would be my goal. All right. I want to go into a marketing minute. If you were quickly say the best thing you've done to grow your brand, what would it be? Interesting. The best thing I've done to grow my brand is, I'm trying not to sound like a cliche, but it really is practicing what I preach as much as possible. Because it's really easy to say things like, well, what I said before, dig a well before you're thirsty, or you know, make sure that you're giving value to people when they're in your network. It's really easy to say that stuff. It's a lot harder to set up systems and actually do this. Mm-hmm. And I've been very thankful to past Jordan for actually bothering to do this. Because it would have been really easy for me to talk a big game about networking and relationship development and then never put it into practice. But I put it into practice early enough because I had great role models for doing this, that I've been doing this for 10 plus years. Mm. And now that I need those relationships, now that I'm thirsty, they're already in place. And I'm just like, wow, I'm so glad (laughs) that I didn't think that I didn't sort of rationalize an exemption for myself Mm. on this one. You know, I want to go into a story here because, you know, I look at the guests that you've had. I mean, you've had some of the leading thought, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, business owners in the world on your shows. And, you know, like one of my biggest mentors is Simon Sinek and the impact he's had on me and our business and my life is unbelievable. And you have him on your show. I'd love for you to go back and share a story with us. The biggest guest that you had, maybe starting out, Give us a story. And how did you get them on your show? Because I think people don't realize it's not easy and you got to put the work and you got to put the grind in. And I'd love for you to share maybe someone you looked up to that you were blown away that you got them on your show. Yeah, I let's see. Yeah. For episode number three of the Jordan Harbinger show, I had Bill Browder and I know people are like, who the hell is that? This guy was one of the premier investors in the former Soviet Union. He was buying up these companies that were being privatized. Doesn't sound that exciting. But what happened is he found out that the other people who were buying up these privatized companies were organized crime figures, oligarchs. And so they didn't really like this foreign guy coming in with foreign money and actually paying fair market value for these companies when they could figure out how to get them for pennies on the dollar through criminal activity. So he started to get on the radar of some pretty bad people. The latest, uh, the latest person he's crossed is Vladimir Putin. Oh, jeez. So Vladimir Putin tried to have this guy extradited, which would have been real bad because he did arrest his lawyer and the lawyer died in jail of abuse. And so what Bill Browder did was instead of going, well, I guess I'm being hunted by Putin, time to reel it in, I've made enough money. He felt so bad about how 
his lawyer was treated and he felt so bad about how these oligarchs and crime figures in Russia were controlling the entire economy of Russia that he created something called the Magnitsky Act, which in government now, if you look at the Magnitsky Act, this is an act that specifically names actual actually names individual people who are Putin cronies that are oligarchs in Russia. And they're now prohibited from doing business with the United States. So he hit them right in the wallet by fighting for justice for his dead lawyer. And he's still doing it. And every time he travels, he's got to like bring his own food on the airplane and he's got security with him everywhere. And he can't eat at restaurants. You know, There's all kinds of insane stuff that he has to be careful because Vladimir Putin, the most powerful man in the world, wants this guy dead. Wow. It's insane. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And now you have a relationship with him. Yeah, actually. And so whenever I have some sort of uh, intrigue across my desk or I want to get something on the inside of, of Russia, I can reach out to him. And he's he's one of the most well-connected people on that side of the, the fence. Yeah, and so yeah. this is a relationship I never thought I would have. But a random fan suggested I interview this person. And then I said, how the heck am I going to get them? And then a couple weeks later, someone dropped in my inbox and said, hey, this might not be of interest to you, but I work for this sort of private security company. We have a lot of Washington, D.C. connections. How about this guy? And sure enough, there was his name. And I said, make the intro. And it's amazing when you build a platform and when you build relationships, there's often a lot of opportunity coming your way. Mm -hmm. And that's something I think a lot of people don't realize is when you build a wide, a broad and diverse network that also has deep relationships so, you know, you're reengaging these people, you're maintaining that network, you find the opportunity coming at you really fast. You don't have to necessarily go out and seek everything you want, because a lot of times things are falling in your lap, even if, just by pure probability. Yeah, well, the power of the platform and then also the power of the introduction. I mean, the power of people actually introducing someone else, it's the easiest way to really develop a relationship because it's the trust that's built. So I'm sure a lot of your intros have been through that. But I want to give a, I want to go to another game, Jordan, quickly. And I think this is going to give you an idea of, give the listener an idea of some of the great guests that you have. So this is the Jordan Harbinger show Jeopardy, business Jeopardy with, with guests on your show. All right. So you have to answer with who is this person? I'm going to give a clue about that person. Okay. Okay. All right. This guest shares why discipline beats motivation. Jocko Willing. Who is Jocko Willing? Bam. One for one. All right. This one's going to be tough because he was on my show and I got this fact out of him. The, this guest of yours recently got a book advance for $220,000 and spent almost all of it on coaching, masterminds, and PR for the book. Uh, who's Benjamin Hardy? All right, bam. Boom, two for two. This guest of yours believes leaders eat last and all leaders should be the last to speak. Who is Simon Sinek? Bam, three for three. Last one here. This author on your show shares the story about the Popsicle hotline in his most recent book. Who is Joey Coleman? Boom, you actually missed it. It is who is Dan Heath. Dan and Chief Oh, shoot, you're right. That is correct. I forgot about that. All right, three for four. So you still want a few dollars. So I'll give you a check for six bucks. You're not too bad there. All right, we're going to move here. This is a new segment for you. Flip the script, Jordan. You are now the host of Business Done Differently. You've asked millions of questions. You can ask one question for me and flip the script. Okay. I will flip the script. Do you ever get sick of watching your own baseball team play baseball? (laughs) 
I am terribly sick of watching the game of baseball. It needs so much work. We're like a hot dog stand where the condiments, the mustard, the ketchup, the relish are outstanding, but the hot dog still needs work. Baseball is too long, too slow. It's three hours long. So I enjoy the shows in between the players doing choreographed dances, our first base coach doing break dancing and the Michael Jackson moonwalk while he's giving the signals. I enjoy all that. But the baseball game, it's too slow and we need to fix it. If we can get baseball under two hours and then have all the other excitement, that's where we win. So, yes, I do. Thank That's a good question. <laughs> all right. Do you want to flip the script as well? Let's go to question time because you ask a lot of questions, obviously, on your show. If you want better answers in business, you got to ask better questions. What are some of the best questions you're asking, Jordan? So this is a, this is a good question because a lot of hosts, they try to be clever. And <laughs> clever questions are generally not that good. No. So they say things like, all right. If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Like, we're going to get some brilliant insight from that person or like, what's one thing that you want to put on a tattoo on your own forehead? It's like, okay, these are dumb questions that you can ask anyone. And it's a lazy, actually. So the best question is something that's well-researched that the person has not necessarily been asked before that's going to illustrate some takeaway that they have. So if you have somebody who's been explaining how to think more systematically, Instead of saying, what's something you want to tattoo on your forehead for the world to see, you might say something like, how come you decided that you even needed to think more systematically? Mm. You're only going to get that from researching what that person's work is. So you have to put in the work. And that's important because since most hosts or most questioners or most interviewers or most dialogue, whatever the person's talking to, are never going to put in any work or just the bare minimum to keep things going, you're going to get a better answer out of them. Mm. So the best questions come from doing that last 5% of research that everybody else doesn't do. No, I love that. I love that. All right. I do have a question. I haven't asked anybody. I want to go into this. We, everyone talks about how they're defined by what they do. And I think this is really relevant to you because I've heard you talk about, you know, the art of charm was you. And now you have this new show. So I, I'm intrigued by who are you? And I don't want to ask that like a really deep question, but like, do you define what you do or do you define who you are? I most often just define what I do. And that's actually not necessarily super healthy. I thought about this recently. A lot of us, especially business owners, entrepreneurs, we often turn our job slash business into our personal identity, which is good in some respects because it means we're focused and we, you know, we're really in alignment with what our business is. But it can be a problem because then when you want to go and make a change, what do you do? Are you, st- are you still the same person? Mm. You know, If I've got to rebuild my business Am I still one of the top interviewers in the world? I don't know. That's a question that you then have to ask yourself. And it can, if the answer is no, does it matter? Mm. Does that matter? And if it does, you, you might have to recalibrate your ego a little bit because it can really hurt you and make you make emotional decisions, which are not good for your business. Yeah, I know. That's great. I mean, because I just, I think about all the people that you've talked to and the relationships you built. And I just think it's unbelievably human connection is such an important piece of what we're all trying to do. And I hate that the first question most people ask people is what do they do? And so I just think of you as, as being able to talk to so many people, you know, defined more by the relationships than more than just your accomplishments, even though they're huge. So I don't know. I was just intrigued if you thought about that because I heard you talk about that briefly on a previous episode. All right, Jordan, you want to finish out with some final four here in rock and roll? Let's do it. All right. What have you done to stand out in business and in life? I stand out by making sure that I leave other people better than I found them, ideally. So 
I always want to try and help everybody that I meet in some way. It doesn't have to be immediately, but that's the goal. Mm -hmm. And I found that's a pretty good move because not only will sometimes people help you back, but you can go to sleep at night knowing that you tried to make things better for people. And I think that's huge. And I do that at scale with my show, with the Jordan Harbinger show, because I'm trying to give people amazing advice from the people that I interview. I'm trying to deliver superpowers from my guests to the listening audience. And I do it in my personal interactions as well. And you're, and you're completely real too. You're, you're not trying to be someone else. You're completely authentic in yourself. And I mean, I've listened to numerous episodes and I think that goes a long way because then people are open to open up to you more and trust you, which I think is great. All right. What if you were to give some separate advice, Jordan, on what you would give someone advice to stand out in business and life? Oh, I would say anytime you have a broken relationship, you should always look at, or, you know, not even just relationships. Anytime something doesn't go your way, you should ask about, you should ask yourself, what are the parts of this I had within my own control? Because a lot of us, we like to say, well, this happened to me and this is a problem because yeah, that happened to you. Sometimes things do happen to you. And I know there's a lot of cliches like life happens for you, not to you. No, it's totally not accurate. There's a lot of things that happen to you. The, the difference is, do you decide to take extreme ownership a la Jocko Willing yeah. and say, which part of this could I have controlled in the past and which part of this can I control in the future so that I don't end up with these same results? And sometimes, frankly, the answer is nothing. Sometimes ish is going to happen and you're going to deal with it. But then at least you know that you don't have to sit around beating yourself up over bad luck. Mm. But don't don't ascribe luck to something that happens that is actually a result of your action or inaction. Mm. And we tend to do this as humans. You know, I interview uh, Andy Duke, who's a well-known poker yeah, player. Yeah. And one of the things she says is we tend to attribute our own success to skill and others people's success to luck. Mm. And when we have something negative happen to us, we tend to attribute that to luck. And so that's a problem because then we cannot learn from the situations that have, that have gone down because if it's bad, oh, that was just bad luck. There's nothing to learn there. And then when we win, well, that's because I'm really good at X. Yeah. That's a big, big problem. No. We can't learn from other people if we ascribe their wins to luck instead of skill because we don't say, what did they do right? We say that lucky SOB. <laughs> so get rid of the role of luck while not – you still have to acknowledge that it's real. It does exist. Don't, don't be like, oh, there's no such thing. There is a such thing. <laughs> well, it's mathematically provable that, it, that there is. But it's not the reason that you failed it's also not the reason that other people succeeded. No, that's great. I've had no, uh, no guests talk about luck. And I love the quote back from JFK. It's the find the harder I work, the luckier I become. And, you know, it's, it's just a different way of looking at luck. And I think uh, I love that. Now, what is some of the best advice you've received? I think at least once a year, really take stock of what you're doing and ask yourself if this is the direction you want to go in. Because this is such a common thing. We keep our projects going. We keep our lives going. And I understand why people do this and I understand why business people do this, but we don't necessarily dedicate enough time to thinking, hey, do I want to be doing this? Do I want to change directions? We have this sort of sunk cost fallacy and we don't want to get into changing direction. And that's a problem. Yeah, 100%. That's a problem because we can keep going in a direction for a really long time and realize that we didn't want to do that for the last three, four or five years. We just didn't have the guts to face that. Mm. And I think it's, it's slowing things down. You know, you said take stock of what you're doing. Sometimes you're just running so much, you got to slow down and like, hey, is this the right path I should be going? Which I think is just awesome advice. So finally, Jordan, how do you want to be remembered? I want to, I think legacy is greater than currency. So for me, it's going to be this person created something that people 
hundreds of thousands or millions of people use to become better. So that's my mark left on the world, you know? And of course, my offspring will reflect that, I would hope. But at least I've left a legacy of bringing out great ideas and sharing them with the world. I think that's admirable, or at least I'm trying to make it so. Yeah, it's inspiring. And you've been sharing these great ideas and lessons in teaching for years. And now you're continuing on your own platform now. So thank you so much. You passed business done differently. You sang some Backstreet <laughs> Boys. You nailed the, the Jeopardy questions. You know, how can people learn more? Obviously, the Jordan Harbinger Show, a must-listen podcast. But how else can they learn more from you, Jordan? Sure. So our live courses, a lot of the networking things I talked about, I do a lot of videos and content on this so that people can learn how to systemize this how to get this handled. We're doing live events and products. That's all at advancedhumandynamics.com. Advancedhumandynamics.com is where that stuff is. It's a pretty simple site right now, but if you click level one, you'll get a bunch of the networking drills, exercises, and our live event is coming up this summer. Mm, thank you so much for sharing. And Jordan, seriously, thank you for doing an impact. You know, business done differently. You are doing business differently and you're touching people every day. So thank you so much. Loved having you on the show. Thank you very much, man. This has been fun. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Business Done Differently. Our goal is simple, to inspire you to think different, have fun, and stand out in business and in life. For more ways you can stand out in your business, visit findyouryellowtux.com and you can get the Yellow Tux Handbook for free with the six steps to stand out directly from the Find Your Yellow Tux book. Finally, a big shout out to Podcast Pilot for producing the show and making all the magic happen. For questions, ideas, and feedback, I'd love to hear from you. So shoot a note to jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.